Can't sleep? Won't sleep? Afraid to sleep? Perhaps what you need is a story, a bedtime story, to lull you into the world of dreams, or maybe nightmares. Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in, make yourself comfortable, lay back, close your eyes, and let me tell you a story. The Metaverse, a 3D computer-generated world that you can visit by wearing a special headset, seems to be all the rage these days. Everyone is excited about being able to travel to exotic places, meet new people from around the world, or even go to work without ever leaving your living room sofa. But do we fully know what's in store for us in that virtual reality? What happens to it when we turn it off? And what was there? before we showed up. Virtual Reality for Dummies The reason for the return? Dean asked the woman standing on the other side of the customer service counter. She hesitated for a moment before replying. They don't work the way they're supposed to. In what way? There are extra things in there. Dean inspected the virtual reality headset the woman had brought in. It was in the original box, but as was typical for returned electronics, it didn't quite fit back inside the packaging as it had originally. The device looked like a pair of high-tech ski goggles, only instead of tinted lenses, the wearer's eyes were covered by a combination of lenses and tiny video screens that projected a virtual 3D image in front of them. There were also cameras built into the device's frame so that the user could experience an augmented reality where information and avatars of other users could be viewed by the user superimposed over the real world. He looked at the inside of the device, checking to make sure the lenses were free of any dirt or dust that might be causing the problem. I don't mean inside the headset. Well, not physically, anyway. Dean set the goggles down. I'm not quite sure I know what you mean. Put them on, the woman suggested. You'll see. Grabbing a disinfecting wipe from the dispenser on the counter, Dean wiped down the soft padding around the rim of the goggles where they made a light-proof seal around the user's face. He used a can of compressed air to spray the interior, clearing it of anything that he might not be able to see. Then he turned the device on and lifted it to his face. It started in augmented reality mode. Dean saw the electronics shop and the customer who had brought the goggles in as if there wasn't a thousand dollars of electronics blocking his view. He looked at the woman, then turned his head until the device's menu appeared, floating in midair in front of him. He reached out with his free hand and made a tapping motion at the demo option. A new menu appeared, and he selected the shopping app. The device began scanning various items within view, and when it recognized them, a virtual label appeared floating above it, showing customer reviews and sale price information. Looks okay to me, Dean said. He turned to look at the woman. Was it a specific app that was giving you problems? Try looking behind you, the woman suggested. Dean continued looking at the customer. She made a circular motion with her finger, urging him to turn around. He spun around to face the rack of returned items, waiting to be repackaged and either returned to the vendor or reshelved. Standing in front of him was a beast, nearly eight feet tall, 
with glowing yellow eyes and several pairs of horns protruding from the top and sides of its head, covered top to bottom in red fur. It opened its mouth, revealing multiple rows of glistening teeth like those of a shark. A deafening roar issued forth, its effects reaching deep into Dean's head and stomach, sending shivers down his spine. He tore the goggles away from his face, expecting to see the creature still standing in front of him, but there was nothing. Do you see what I mean? the woman asked. Dean realized that he was breathing heavily. His pulse was racing. He spun back around to face the customer. He was familiar with this VR headset. He had a pair himself at home. As far as he knew, the augmented reality shopping app did not have any demonic beasts in it. Did you upload any new software? Dean asked. No, the woman replied. I didn't add anything. It just started acting that way a couple days ago. It's not supposed to do that, is it? No, it's not supposed to do that, Dean assured her. Did you connect to any public Wi-Fi networks? Well, no, just here in the store, but when I was at home, I used my own internet connection. VPN? Dean asked. What's that? The woman asked back. Never mind, if you don't know, you probably don't have one. Can you fix it, or maybe give me an exchange? Dean inspected the receipt that the woman had presented with the goggles and checked the date. Looks like you're past the 30 days return date. But if there is a defect, we can't exchange it for a refurbished model. Refurbished? she asked. That doesn't seem right. It's brand new. I only used it a couple times. It was sitting in the box for four weeks before I had a chance to try it out. Dean was suspicious of the woman's claim. No one would drop that much money on a luxury item like this and not want to try it out right away. Is it just in the shopping app? Shopping app? the woman inquired. I haven't tried that one yet. I was doing the virtual tour of the Louvre and a couple games. And the giant furry demon shows up at all of them? What giant furry demon? Dean was confused. He put the goggles back on, then turned around to verify that the virtual beast was still there. Drool glistened on its white teeth, dripping down its pointy chin and forming moist trails in the dark red fur that covered its muscular chest. The creature took a step toward Dean, swiping at him with a large, meaty hand, the fingers of which ended in razor-sharp claws. He stepped back, then took the goggles away from his eyes. He looked back at the woman. Big, red, covered in fur, multiple sets of horns, big pointy teeth? Doesn't ring a bell, the woman replied. Then what were you talking about? She thought for a moment, as if searching her mind for the appropriate words to use. I guess I would call them bat crows. Bat crows? Bat crows. Kind of a cross between a bat and a crow. I figured, Dean said. I didn't see anything like that, just the big furry demon. Well, I didn't see anything but the bat crows, the woman insisted. Dean bit his lower lip, consulting his memory of the customer service training he had received for what to do in a situation like this. He came up empty. He turned his stare to the headset, inspecting it as if he could tell what was wrong just by looking at it. Maybe we should talk to your manager? The woman asked timidly. Dean involuntarily inhaled sharply through clenched teeth, making a hissing sound. His manager, the head of customer service, was ironically not a people person. The only thing he hated more than customers asking questions was employees interrupting his seemingly endless paperwork tasks to escalate an issue. He looked to see if either Eric or Mandy, his co-workers, were around, but both were out of sight. The woman was getting impatient, switching between glaring at Dean and the door on the wall behind him nestled between the shelves of returned purchases with a metallic nameplate reading, Manager. Dean sighed. I'll see if he's available. He turned and walked the short distance to the door and lightly knocked. Come, 
said a high-pitched, nasally voice on the other side. Dean turned the knob and leaned into the office without actually stepping inside. Sorry to bother you, Kevin, he said, but I have a customer who's having an unusual problem with her VRX-50, and she's past a 30 days return limit. Offer her a refurbished unit. She doesn't want a refurb. It's practically new. Kevin spun around in his office chair and glared at Dean over the lenses of his half-moon reading glasses. What's wrong with it? Dean took a moment to moisten his suddenly dry mouth before answering. It has extra things in it. What does that mean, extra things? Kevin asked. It appears there are random NPCs in the augmented reality field. The VRX-50 doesn't do that. I know, but I checked it myself. There's something there, and it is rather disturbing. Kevin raised an eyebrow. Disturbing? Dean nodded. Kevin lifted himself out of his chair with an exaggerated effort. Dean stepped back as the manager emerged from the cluttered office, his face transforming from his usual resting grimace to an artificial smile that instantly turned to unadulterated ire when he saw who was standing on the other side of the counter. You, he said, his voice dripping with animosity. I'm sure I'm just as unhappy about needing to be here as you are to have to address my problem, she said. Kevin scoffed. Oh, I imagine I'm several orders of magnitude more unhappy than you are, he turned to Dean. I assume this is your first interaction with Ms. Underbranch? I think we've known each other long enough that you can call me Olivia, the woman replied. Nice to meet you, Olivia, Dean replied reflexively. You too, Dean, Olivia replied, reading his name from his badge. Kevin maintained his disgruntled demeanor. Ms. Underbranch, he said, is a frequent customer of customer service. It seems she is the unluckiest person in the world, as everything she purchases from this establishment turns out to have a problem. Not everything. The snacks I buy at the checkout lane are always quite tasty. I'm so glad to hear that, Kevin intoned sarcastically. He turned his attention to the headset resting on the counter. This is the offending device? he asked in a way that discouraged an answer. Olivia answered anyway. Yes, it's got extra things in it. So my subordinate told me. Put it on, Olivia suggested. No, thank you. I am of the percentage of the population who finds virtual and augmented reality, 3D movies, and most amusement park rides extremely nauseating. He turned to Dean. Go get the HDHD. The HDHD? Dean asked. Kevin almost imperceptibly rolled his eyes and shook his head as he explained what was perfectly obvious to himself. The high-definition holographic display. Oh, right, Dean replied. He stepped around the counter to fetch the specialized monitor that was on a portable display in the computer section of the store. Meanwhile, Kevin fished through a box of cables until he found the one he was looking for. He plugged one end into a small socket on the side of the headset, then he held the other in his hand while he waited for Dean to return. You know, I haven't had any problems with that robot vacuum I bought last year, Olivia mentioned casually. That's nice, Kevin replied. Dean returned with the monitor. He handed the power cord to Kevin, and Kevin handed Dean the other end of the cable attached to the headset, and both met set their respective plugs into the appropriate sockets. The HDHD came to life, showing what the headset was seeing in a rather impressive glasses-free 3D. It showed the part of the store that the goggles were pointed at with the shopping app's augmented reality tags seemingly floating in midair. Those are supposed to be there, Kevin said. Not those, Dean replied. He picked up the headset and pointed it behind the counter to the spot where he had seen the vicious creature moments before. 
the monitor reproduced the back wall of the customer service counter perfectly, without the presence of any roaring horned beasts. What am I supposed to be seeing? Kevin asked. Try putting it up at the ceiling, Olivia suggested. Dean tilted the headset up toward the spiderweb of beams that supported the roof. Something appeared to have flown out of one corner of the display. There, did you see it? Olivia asked. Dean shook his head. Kevin simply glared. I'm telling you, there are things in there. Maybe they're only visible if you're wearing it, she postulated. Kevin took in a deep breath. How would that make any difference? It doesn't know if it's strapped to your head or not. Actually, Dean offered timidly, there's a sensor to track eye movement, so technically it does know if you're wearing it. You know what I mean, Kevin insisted. It's not going to show you something different based on if you're wearing it or not. Certainly not for the shopping app. It's a straightforward augmented reality application. He turned to Olivia. Looks like you're the proud owner of a perfectly working electronic device. Thank you for shopping with us. He picked up the headset and handed it to the woman. As he did so, the screen showed a 3D image of Olivia standing at the counter with the rest of the store behind her. Then, a sort of purple goblin, with compound eyes like a fly and suction cup fingers like a tree frog, climbed up her shoulder and peered directly at Dean. Look, look, he shouted as he pointed at the display. But as Kevin turned his attention to the monitor, he inadvertently changed the orientation of the headset, and the scene shifted to a view of a display of mobile phone cases. What? Kevin asked, annoyed. Point it at a live. I mean this underbranch, Dean said urgently. Kevin kept his eyes on the monitor while he directed the cameras of the headset toward Olivia. She smiled meekly. The purple, bug-eyed goblin frog grinned as well showing rows of hundreds of needle-like teeth. Ah! Kevin shouted. Ah! Dean shouted as well. Olivia turned her head toward the monitor and shrieked as well. Ah! She brushed at the creature perched on her shoulder and scampered away. What was that? Kevin asked. That's what we were trying to tell you, Dean answered. That's not supposed to be there, the customer service manager said adamantly. I didn't think so, Olivia stated. That's why I brought it in though that's not what I was seeing. Yeah, I saw a big red furry horny thing, Dean added. Kevin pointed the headset in a slow arc around the store. Sitting in a nearby massage chair was the goblin frog, happily enjoying the rumble of the vibrating recliner. Hold this, he instructed Dean. Keep it pointed at that chair. Dean took the headset and held it steady while Kevin emerged from behind the counter and walked slowly toward the creature. He cast glances back at the monitor to make sure it was still there. When he passed between the headset and the chair, his body blocked the view of the goblin frog, and when he got closer, the creature appeared to be watching him. Keeping his eyes on the monitor, Kevin reached out toward the bug-eyed imp. It opened its mouth and snapped at his hand. Kevin jerked it back, then walked up to the holographic display to take a closer look. The creature's multifaceted eyes seemed to reflect tiny images of Kevin's narrow, bespectacled face. That's impossible! he stated authoritatively. How can I see myself in its eyes? The camera isn't pointed at me. Maybe we should turn it off, Dean suggested. Kevin ignored him. He reached into the image projected by the display, poking the goblin frog in its round belly. His finger made a dent in the creature's flesh, and it giggled. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't do that, Dean warned. Incredible, Kevin said, ignoring his employee. How do they do that? And why aren't they marketing this feature? It's simply amazing. The manager poked the goblin frog again, then a few more times in rapid succession, trying to discern if there was any latency in the interaction. 
The goblin frog was not amused. Its expression changed from that of pleasant amusement to vicious annoyance, and it bared its needle teeth again, this time snapping out at Kevin's outstretched finger before he could retreat. Yow! Kevin exclaimed. He held his hand in front of his face. The index finger was missing. There were no spurts of blood or torn ragged bits of flesh. It simply ended in a well-defined cross-section below the second knuckle. What the hell? Kevin exclaimed with a note of panic. Maybe that's why they're not marketing this feature, Olivia offered. Should I call an ambulance? Dean asked. Should I call an ambulance? Kevin mocked back. Of course you should call an ambulance. Then get over here and see if you can find the rest of my finger. I don't think that's going to happen, Olivia said, nodding toward the creature in the monitor. It was chewing Kevin's finger, crunching the bones into splinters and devouring the flesh. When it was done, it spit out the fingernail, which fluttered heavily to the floor. Kevin leaned over and picked it up with his other hand. There was still a bit of bloody tissue attached. Revolted, he dropped it. The creature burped, then peered directly at Kevin with its multifaceted eyes. It leaned forward, then grabbed hold of the edge of the holographic display and pulled itself out of the three-dimensional image. Kevin backed up. Olivia and Dean watched transfixed. A few other customers took notice as well, as if it was some kind of tech demo. This is impossible! Kevin said, completely oblivious to the evidence that his statement was objectively false. Suddenly, something flew out of the display. It had the head of a hook-beaked raven, but instead of being covered with feathers, its wings were black, leathery skin stretched over a twisted skeletal structure that resembled that of a bat. That's it, Olivia said, pointing at the demonic raptor as it soared around the store. That's one of the things I saw when I wore those goggles. You're right, it does look like a bat crow, Dean said. The goblin frog had Kevin backed up against the counter. There was fear in his eyes. Get it away, he shrieked. Get that thing away from me. Dean spotted an empty box on the far end of the counter. He grabbed it and carefully snuck up behind the purple creature and slammed the box over it. He leaned on the container to apply his full weight, keeping the little monster trapped. Thank you, Dean, Kevin said with uncharacteristic appreciation. What should I do with it? Dean asked. Before he could answer, the bat crow swooped down and bit off Kevin's right ear. Just took it clean off, leaving it open, but seemingly somehow instantly cauterized wound on the side of his head. His glasses fell askew, losing one of their anchor points. What was that? Kevin screamed, putting his hand to the side of his head, screaming even louder. Don't just stand there, catch that thing! Dean lifted his weight off the box to search for something he could use to capture the bat crow. But when he did, the goblin frog beneath the box immediately tried to escape. Look, Olivia said, pointing at the display. Now the giant red-horned furry demon Dean had seen when he was wearing the goggles appeared in the display. It poked its head through the holographic image and looked around curiously. Don't worry, it's too big to fit through, Dean assessed. Then, as if it had heard Dean and wanted to prove him wrong, the furry demon took a few steps back, then ran at the opening of the display and dove through. It landed with a store-shaking thud, a little dazed, but quickly recovered and raised itself to its full eight-foot-plus height. The furry demon opened its mouth and roared, that same bone-chilling, gut-squishing howl Dean had heard when he was wearing the goggles. Then it reached out for Kevin, picked him up in one massive clawed hand by the waist, and bit off his head. Kevin's body went limp. Dean backed up, and the goblin frog immediately threw the box aside, leaped onto Kevin's lifeless body, and started eating the rest of his fingers. A bat crow alighted at the furry demon's feet and pecked at the scraps of flesh that fell to the floor as a giant horned monster chewed messily. More bat crows flew out of the monitor and fought each other for scraps like seagulls battling over a discarded french fry. 
Turn it off, Olivia said. Dean didn't hear her at first. He watched as the furry demon consumed Kevin's body in increasingly larger bites, while the goblin frog tore off pieces to satisfy its own hunger. Turn it off, Olivia repeated. Dean looked at her, the words finally registering, and he reached for the headset and flipped the power toggle on the side. The monitor went blank. The creatures disappeared, as did the last morsels of Kevin. Applause broke out. While Kevin was being consumed, a crowd of customers had gathered around the customer service desk, and apparently had thought the whole thing was a show, an impromptu demo of some sort of new holographic projection tech. Most of the shoppers quickly lost interest. Some turned to the nearest sales reps and asked how much that cool monitor cost. Dean was amazed at the alacrity of the associates who quickly converted the customers' questions into potential sales of one of their biggest ticket items. He stepped back around to the other side of the counter. Olivia Underbranch stepped closer, and they stared into each other's eyes for a moment. So, uh, perhaps a full refund rather than an exchange? Dean asked, pointing at the VR goggles, afraid to touch them. Yes, I think that would be best, Olivia answered. Store credit? Not on your life. Thank you for listening to Virtual Reality for Dummies, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on Audible, and share these stories with your friends or anyone who enjoys audiobooks. Speaking of audiobooks, if you're a fan of the paranormal, Near Death, a rainy day investigation is currently being serialized on this very podcast. New chapters are posted weekly, and you can find an entertaining review on the One Hour Book Club podcast. If you're looking for other original story podcasts, check out As Read By Me at, not surprisingly, asreadbyme.com. They have an eclectic mix of fiction, poetry, and essays that are sure to keep you entertained, all read by the authors. You can find out more about this podcast and the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs at richhosek.com. Thanks again, and all the very best.